How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law, Thomas McCoy, and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. Look at that. You had that basso today to the show. It was really the basso. It was so yeah. good. It was fun. It's fun. Yeah. The introduction is always, I think, the best part of the show. We can actually just stop right here. <laughs> Except I, for our guests, of course. Our guests yeah, are, I would say so, that that's you right, know, right. a nice, it's a nice part of the show. But All right, it's the second best part of the show. <laughs> okay. With that in mind, Tom, could you introduce our guest for tonight? I'd love to, Dr. Joe. Our guest tonight is an award-winning podcast host, author, and sought-after speaker. In 2003, he was diagnosed with bipolar and anxiety disorders, disorders, after being committed to psychiatric hospital. He hosts the weekly Inside Mental Health podcast for Healthline Media and is the author of Mental Illness is a uh, Ass. You can't say the other part on the radio for some reason. No, and you, other, but there's a, whole, there's a whole part to it, though. Nah. There's a whole ass part to it uh, <laughs> and other observations. Yeah. Welcome to the Dr. Joe show, Gabe Howard. Yeah. yeah. Hello, hey. Gabe Howard. Thanks everyone for having me. I, I, I love that I've named my book something that the, the censors are concerned about. We have yeah. a pattern with that on this show, don't we? We do. We do. I mean, you know, sometimes you can say it and sometimes you can't. It just, it just would wreck them if they did. So, uh, <laughs> so with, with, thank you. That was kind of cheeky. I know. No, All right. No. I'm going to, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Gabe, it is just wonderful to have you here. How, how things been with you? Just, just so people know, Gabe and I met when I was a guest on his podcast, which will be released sometime over the next year because he has so many shows. What's going on, Gabe? <laughs> That, I, I mean, so much is going on, right? We're, we're, we're hitting summer. Podcasting is busy. Traveling is starting to pick back up. Uh, uh, speaking engagements are, are, are they're, they're sort of, you know, creeping out of the woodwork. They're, they're not like they were uh, pre-pandemic, but, but they're, they're there. I, you know, the dog is good. I, I love my dog. I am married. I, I should mention that I'm, I'm married. I, I do have a wife. She's good. Uh, uh, the house is still standing, right? <laughs> Life is good. Let, let me ask though the the book that you've written how how did that come about? Your book. So I, I really feel like the best things in life have the best stories. So I, I wanted to be a speaker. That, that's it. I wanted to talk. I want to be like super clear on that. I, I didn't say I want to write a book. I didn't say I want to start a podcast. I didn't say I want to write articles. I didn't want to be an influencer. I was like, I want to talk. I want people to give me money to talk. Yeah. And that's called being a speaker. Well, it turns out that if you want to be a speaker, you got to have some sort of platform. You, you need to have written something, done something, been someplace. 
I, I did not know this. <laughs> I, I was very, very green. So I, 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 I started writing articles for mental health websites, uh, psychology websites. Uh, first as a, as a guest blogger, uh, then I started to get my own columns and I, I started writing for bigger and bigger sites, uh, you know, Bipolar Magazine, WebMD, Psych Central, Health Central. I, just, I, I started writing everywhere that I could and eventually this turned into the podcast. Now, I, I still didn't have a book. Everybody's like, you need a book. And I'm like, I don't want to write a book. I barely wanted to write articles. And somebody said, look, you need to write a book because people will buy it. And I said, I, I apparently I can't say what I said on the radio, <laughs> but it started with bull and it, it rhymed with uh, fit. And I was like, I, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. So the 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 people in my life who who take good care of me said here's what we're going to do we're going to put together a book for you based on the at this point hundreds of things that you've written we'll curate it for you we'll we'll do all of the work gabe and i said i like that that is an excellent plan and they put this together and then they started kind of putting it out to publishers to see if anybody would pick it up. And 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 look, not not big publishers. I'd love to tell you that I'm with Random House or Penguin or some place you've heard of. My publisher is already canceling me listening to this interview. Mm -hmm. uh, but I found this little niche place uh, that that believed in me, and they're like, "Look, we will publish it, but there's a there's a catch." And I said, what's the catch? And they're like, we want to call it mental illness is, uh, I don't know if anybody's got a beeper. And I was like, no, no, you can't, you can't name it that. And they're like, no, you wrote an article that was really well received called mental illness is, uh, again, I don't know who's got, yeah. And I was like, yeah, that was a really great article, but it, it just sort of fit into the public consciousness of the internet. Everybody back then was writing such and such as a, is a beep, right? And it all started because some mother got fed up with her three-year-old and wrote a viral article called uh, three-year-olds or beeps. And then yeah. everybody started doing it. Husbands are beeps, wives are beeps, mother-in-laws are beeps, publishers are beeps, podcasts are beeps. And I was like, well, you know, it's a real beep, mental illness, and uh, I wrote an article, again, just to capture the search engine optimization trend of something is a bleep. That's the only reason I did it. And they're like, no, that's the title. And I was like, my, my grandmother is not going to like this. And they're <laughs> like, we don't care about your grandma, dude. And I'm like, I care about my grandma. <laughs> And they're like, look, we will publish it. We will do everything. We will put it out there. That's the title. I'm like, can you censor it? And they're like, nope. Well, listen, I didn't think anybody would care about this book. I didn't think anybody buy it. Remember, a whole bunch of other people convinced me to do it, put it together for me. So I'm like, whatever. Here's this garbage. Do with it as you want. And now it's out there. People love it. It's, it, it's a great book. I'm super proud of it, even though I did nothing, apparently. And uh, here's the, here's the kicker. My grandmother loves the title. She <laughs> thinks it is the best title in the history of titles. She's, she's like, it describes you mental illness. Is this, uh, you just, you just put it out there, Gabe. And that's why people like you because you're not BSing them. And uh, she loves it. She's my biggest fan. She gives this book to everybody. 
Uh, and she's like, my grandson wrote this book. She's like super proud of this book. And she still doesn't know what a podcast is. And, mm -hmm. uh, but I've got the book. So that, that, that's the story of where the book came from. It's not flattering to me, but listen, it's the truth. It's the truth. And, and Gabe, off, offline, we were, we were starting to talk about stigma and, and, and what this really means and what it's done and, and how it's hurt people. But get, let's, how did it affect you? I mean, can you tell us the story about Gabe Howard and where things started? Yeah, so the, it, it's such a difficult question to answer because I, I know that we don't have unlimited time, right? People are like, well, what was your childhood like with undiagnosed bipolar? And, and what was it like? You, you know, you had serious mental illness and nobody noticed. What was that like? And then they're like, okay, you've got five minutes. Tell me the story. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to like extrapolate 25 years worth of data and make people understand. And even if I'm giving my keynote speech, right, I, I have... A, I have 45 minutes to condense down what is a, a effectively 30 years. So I, I just want people to understand that because I'm, I'm, I always try to hit like high points of high interest. And then I answer follow-up questions based on that. But it's, it, it's, it's going to be impossible to get it all out in, in any, in any amount of time that is reasonable for a podcast. But it, it, it sort of started for me in 2003 when I was committed to a psychiatric hospital and I was committed to a psychiatric hospital because I, I was ready to kill myself. And, and those are the words that I used back then. You know, people tend to, to, you know, smack me on the hands like, Oh no, you were contemplating suicide. And that's true. I was contemplating suicide, but in my mind at the time, I didn't, I didn't know any of that language. I, I was planning on killing myself. That's what was going through my brain. I, I thought that I was crazy and that I wanted to die and that I wanted to be over and that nobody would miss me. And, uh, and I, I had the plan. I, I was ready to do it. And, uh, the, the universe apparently had plans for me because even though my friends didn't notice, my family didn't notice, the people around me didn't notice, coworkers didn't notice, I, I just the, 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 the lady at the drugstore didn't notice, uh, this woman that I was just sort of casually dating, she noticed. She, mm -hmm. she thought something's wrong with this guy and she recognized the warning signs of suicide. That's number one. Uh, number two, she decided to do something about it. And number three, she knew what to do. And she walked right up to me. It was, I mean, this is, this is almost like, like a, a, a just, you could almost make a video out of this and, and train people on suicide prevention using her techniques. She said, are you planning on killing yourself? Look me right in the eye and said, are you planning on killing yourself? Just, just, I mean, just, just, I, I, the mental health advocate in me reflects back on that moment and is so proud of her because uh, it's just amazing. And I said, yes, yes, I am. There, there's way more to the story to this because I, I didn't know that that was unusual. Uh, I, I was born thinking about suicide. I was born bipolar. I was born with this brain as a uh, whether you want to call it disordered, damaged, messed up, different, whatever word you want to use, I thought that my brain was the same brain that everybody else had. And it was not. It was not. I, uh, other people did not have delusions. Other people didn't have psychosis. Other people weren't contemplating killing themselves as far back as they can remember. But I was. And because I was born that way, 
I just assumed this was part of the human condition. I always use the example that I have never seen my mother go to the bathroom. Never have. Never in my entire time. 45 years old, I've never once seen my mom urinate. But I'm positive that she does. So just because I haven't seen it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm, I, I'm unaware of it or I don't know it or I don't understand it, right? So that's just what I thought it was. Just because nobody sat me down and told me they were planning on killing themselves or that they were having delusions or that there were demons under their bed didn't mean that they weren't there for them. I just thought it was one of the many things that we don't talk about in a polite society, like your mom going to the bathroom. It's just, it's not, it's not something you bring up during Thanksgiving dinner, right? But it, it doesn't make it any less real. So yeah, there you go. 2003, I woke up in a psychiatric hospital after being committed because I was planning on killing myself. And that's where I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. What, what were the warning signs that your friend picked up on? There were so many. <laughs> the, the, first one, the, the first warning signs that she picked up on were bipolar disorder. She, one minute, I'm the life of the party, but I'm the life of the party in a, in a fun way. You know, I'm charismatic, I'm entertaining, I'm, I'm, I'm excitable, I'm brave, I'm, I'm confident. And then that would sort of evolve, for lack of a better word, into all of that confidence and all of that energy, but dude's not making any sense. Uh, one of the things that, that, that she witnessed that really gave her great pause, she said, is one day we were at just a, a local bar and, and they were playing music. Right. So there's a band. Right. So just just picture you just just a regular music bar. We, we've all been to them. We've all seen local music. The band is on the stage and I jump up on the the bar. Right. I'm standing on the bar and and I'm 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 singing and cheering and I'm 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 so amazing. And the people in the room are so enthralled with me that eventually the band just stops playing and everybody in the bar turns their attention and they're just like, Gabe, 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 Gabe. Woo. It, it, it's amazing. And I crowd surf out of the bar and everybody's like, Gabe, I'm like, goodbye bar. And they're like, this is amazing. This guy is amazing. I'm like, yeah, I just, just, just picture this in your head. Like I am better than the band. It was, it, honestly, it was the most amazing night of my life. Uh, the problem is, is that's not what happened. That's not what happened at all. The part where I was on the bar happened and the part where the band stopped playing happened and the part where security carried me out of the bar and threw my butt out absolutely happened. But my bipolar brain, my manic brain, just just did a little public relations work on that and just turned it into everybody was cheering you on and that it was awesome. It, it was not awesome. It, it was it was frightening and concerning for her, but in 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 her mind because she had more education and because she knew me better, she's like he doesn't realize this. He he's not just some jerk who's taking over the bar. He honestly believes that something great is happening, and this was very confusing to her because she she knew me when I wasn't manic and and. She just knew me as the, the awesome, charismatic uh, guy who she liked, who she liked to spend time with. So that was a real big moment for her. And, and then soon after, because this is how bipolar disorder works, I spiraled into depression. So now the life of the party, the guy who's got enough confidence to climb on a bar and make a band stop playing and get thrown out of a of a, of a nightclub uh, is now suddenly refusing to leave his house, refusing to get dressed, refusing to shower. He, it, it's, he, he's just 
not making any sense. She said that I never used any language like I want to die or nobody would miss me. Uh, that would have almost been less concerning to her. I used language like, uh, you know, chicken, keyboard, mouse, light pox. And she's like, those are not words. Uh, I mean, or they're not sentences. It, it's not, she would ask me questions and I would, I would look at her with all the confidence of somebody who was answering them, but it was just word salad. And she thought to herself, there's, there's something going on in his brain, something that sounds a lot like racing thoughts. And for those who don't know what racing thoughts is, it's when all of these things are just racing through your brain at the speed of light. So for example, it could be, I need to get a new mouse. Boy, my keyboard is dirty. And I think my uh, niece has chicken pox, but it's running through so fast that when somebody asks me a question, all I can get out is keyboard mouse pox. And in my mind, I've said all three of those sentences. So I can't figure out why you're looking at me so weird. But you know, because you're not sick, that I, I just strung together this, this stack of words that make no sense. So that started to give her pause. Uh, and then uh, finally, I just uh, stopped going to work, started giving stuff away, started you know just making general not plans for the future. I, I'm not sure what exactly was the... The final thing, and neither is she, I, I've asked her, and she's like, I don't know, but I, she said that it's sort of one of those things where if you think somebody might want to kill themselves, you should ask. You, you don't need to be sure of the answer. You don't need to be certain. Suspicion is enough, and she had that suspicion. She asked, and, and boom, we're now all caught up with the story. And, and it's so important for people to be able to ask, because so many people think if you ask, you put the idea in somebody's head. That is not the case at all. The idea is there. The fact that it's acknowledged is powerful. I'm, you know, I'm curious. You said nobody else noticed. I mean, all the people, your family, the people who knew you. Is this because this, this was just, well, this is just gay. This is, this is the meanest part of bipolar disorder the, the the cruelest part of bipolar disorder see it's a everybody thinks that bipolar disorder is the two poles right the the godlike mania and the suicidal depression right there everybody is really really focused on these opposites you know the the weather becomes bipolar when it's sunny one day and raining the next the two extremes but here's the thing bipolar disorder is actually a spectrum and those two things that we just mentioned are the two poles, but there's also this wealth of symptomology or information or behavior or whatever word you want to use in between those two poles. And what's in between those two poles exists the middle. There's the middle. Now, the middle has many, many uh, words to describe it. There's normal, there's stereotypical, there's baseline, there's average, there, people call the middle all kinds of different things. But here's what the middle is. The, the, the middle is when you're fine, normal, average, stereotypical. It, it's, it's when you get good grades. It's when you get a good job. It, it's, it, it's when Dr. Joe says, hey, can you uh, come help me mow my lawn and do some landscaping? And, and Gabe says, yeah, sure. And Dr. Joe says, be there at nine. And I show up at nine and do it. So now two weeks later, when I'm symptomatic and all of a sudden I don't show up, I don't honor my promise, I, I, I misbehave, I let you down, you've got a problem here. 
you you can think to yourself, oh, I wonder if Gabe has serious and persistent mental illness. But who thinks that way? Nobody thinks that way. Just uh, even PhDs and psychiatrists don't think that way. What they think is, my buddy was here two weeks ago and showed up on time. And now that beep isn't here. And I've got the U-Haul. I've made plans. I, people are counting on him. Why is he letting me down? And yeah. you're mad because that's... That's what you would expect to happen. People aren't doctors. So my parents saw me, quote, be good, and then they saw me be bad. They, they didn't think when I was bad, I was symptomatic, and when I was good, I was normal. They just thought, we, we've got a problem here with Gabe. And you add youth into that, and my parents just thought that they had, they just thought that they had a child, a teenager, a young adult on their hands who needed some guidance. And... Oh. Uh, why wouldn't you know, they? He's making things happen with that podcast, Dr. Joe. Yeah. The podcast I, is really impressive. I listened to the episode with Alanis Morissette today while I was My favorite. I, I, I know I'm, I, I shouldn't play favorites with guests, but I, my favorite. <laughs> she was so good. She was so eloquent. And, and, and as you were able to dig into it, so very different than I thought when her jagged little pill came out. I, mm-hmm. it, it's, I, I went... I always wish I had more time. It, it, I, don't, I don't care if I'm if I'm interviewing uh, uh, Alanis Morissette, Doctor Joe, or the, the 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 lady I met at, at at McDonald's picking up my my diet coke. I, I always wish there was more time. When, whenever I hang up with anybody, I'm like, oh, I should have asked X, right? And then when I go through and edit the show, a lot of people don't realize that you, you know you you record for like 45 minutes you get like 45 minutes 60 minutes worth of raw file and you condense that down into like a nice 25 minute uh 30 minute show and even in that 30 minutes you've got bumpers and advertise so you, you only really have about 22 minutes with the guest the the rest of it is uh, uh you, you know extra and uh, you know the credits and stuff like that i don't know why i'm explaining this but the, the stuff that hits the cutting room floor is is sometimes just so incredibly sad. I I, I know we've gotten off on a little tangent, and I, and I just want to say this. Uh, Alanis Morissette, I ask every single celebrity that I interview this question. I, I say, hey, uh, people don't want to listen to you because people don't want to hear how you have a mental illness or how you're suffering or how you have anxiety or whatever it is because you're rich, famous, and beautiful, and nobody cares. What say you? I ask some variation of that question to every single celebrity that I ever interview. And there's been dozens over the years. And they, the answer always gets cut. The answer always gets cut because one, you've got to cut something. And two, because the answer is not very good. Alanis Morissette, ladies and gentlemen, is the only person in the history of the show who answered that question so well, we didn't cut it. And I, you, you've got to go listen to it if you want to hear it. I'm, I'm not even going to try to speak for Ms. Morissette. But amazing answer and it will change the way that you view celebrity and mental health and mental illness and i'm, I'm so thankful that that she rose to the occasion because i've been desperate for somebody in her position to answer that question well for years but with that in mind how how could people listen to this game they can head so just search for inside mental health on your favorite podcast player that's way number one if you are more low-key than that you can go to psychcentral.com slash show and that'll get you to the official website. And you can, of course, listen on the embed player there. Uh, but the easiest way, of course, is blow up iTunes or Spotify or Google Play or whatever you prefer and just type in Inside Mental Health and you will find me. And folks, I can endorse. It is really, really good. Really yeah. good. 
it's a cool show. Thank, thank, yeah. thank you, Mark. I, I, I really appreciate it. And I'd love to take credit for it, but it, it, it's mostly the editors and the guests. I'm just, I'm just along for the ride. I like your humility, but you're a very, very, very good interviewer. You, you thank take you. them along in a way that's comfortable, it's safe, and, and they open up. And it's, it's, you're really doing something special. I hope you, I hope you realize that. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It's, it's the goal. That's the, it's goal. the goal, and you're and you're achieving it. So let's let's go back to the psychiatric hospital. So, oh, we've got a we've got a question from Jay Thomas here. Are there triggers that might pull you in one direction or another? Those are always very difficult questions to answer, because first and foremost, I believe that there's triggers that will pull every human. In, in one direction or another. I, I don't care if you have a serious and persistent mental illness or not. I, I think we all have bad days. We, we all, you know, just, 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 just lose ourselves over something because we've stayed up too late or I, I sincerely, I believe everybody has something, right? So in, in that way, I am absolutely human. So yes, yes, of course, when it, when it comes to being human, having bipolar, having just whatever, there, there are things that, that absolutely get under my skin in a way that perhaps they wouldn't get under Dr. Joe's skin or, 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 or Mark's skin or, uh, you know, my wife's skin and it will pull me in a direction that I don't want to go. Uh, so yes, but I also want to say no, because identifying those triggers is the absolute first step to uh, better handling them. I, I can say avoiding them because I, I, I do think that there's a I do think it's a good strategy to try to avoid things that perhaps you are not well equipped at handling. My mother always said that she could never be a school teacher because she'd murder all the children. And so she avoids helping young children with their homework because she just has zero patience. Uh, So she is avoiding that trigger by not helping her children, her grandchildren, her nieces and nephews with their homework if you show up to my mom and say, can you help me with math? She will look you right in your adorable little eyes and tell you no. Uh, so that's, that's a good strategy for my mom because she doesn't want to break down crying at the kitchen table over math. Uh, but sometimes there's things that you have to deal with, right? It just, uh, I, I can get stressed out really, really easy. And I, I'm going to use the podcast as an example. It, it can be a challenge, Right. There's there's a lot of behind the there's a lot of behind the scenes things that I don't think people take into account. It it, it can it can be scary asking somebody about their suicide on a recorded show, especially when they're a celebrity. Let's go back to Alanis. I I love Alanis. I I don't know her personally. She's not my friend. She's never been to my house. And I I would bet dollars to donuts if you said, hey, what did you think of Gabe? She would say, who? Because she gives hundreds of interviews. That's not me being uh, that, that, that's me being realistic, not not even humble, right? You can't possibly remember every name when you're at her level. She talks to a lot of people. So, but but I was the right age. You know, I was in, I was in high school when that album came out. You know, they talk about a, 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 a generation-defining album. That was my generation, right? Like, I was, I loved her. She was awesome. Like I, I bought the magazine. She was the pinup. So here I am all these years later talking to her about her struggles with anxiety 
and suicidality and being in the public eye when nobody cares that she's suffering and uh, just being forgotten. You know, one minute she's got a, 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 she's selling 30 million copies and then 15 years go by. Just do they care about you now, Alanis? Like, that's a really hard question to ask somebody. Right. It's also not lost on me that here's this woman who's got an album coming out right now. And I'm asking her about her album from 25 years ago. Like, that's got to feel some way. It's like, hey, you know, I, I make new music. Why are you asking me about my old music? And there, there's like this part in my chest that's like, I, I'm aware of this. And I, I'm sorry that nobody cares about the new thing. They, they care about the old thing. I, I don't know why I didn't make the rules of the Internet. So all of that converges, and here I am sitting alone in a room waiting for her to say hello. And what if she's mean? Like, Dr. Joe, Mark, what if she's mean? Right. Like, what if she answers the phone, Gabe, I hate you, and you're ugly? I, now, now that, you know how they say never meet your idols? Like, th this, this starts to, like, compress in your chest. Plus, the room is really hot because, you know, it, it, it's, it's got all the sound, the door shut. I've had to turn off the air conditioner not to have the, the thing blowing across the mic. And I'm like, what if she hates me? Uh, right? So there's, there's these, like, really hard moments. That is absolutely a trigger for me. But I want to get through it because I want to interview celebrities on my podcast. So the, the steps that I take to, to, to deal with all of that, you're thinking, my God, what does he do? Ah, there are steps to take. One, bank lots of time. I should not be coming from one interview into another interview. There should be a solid few hours in between. I should get a good night's sleep. I should be well prepared. I shouldn't be learning about what questions I'm going to ask her the day of her interview. That should have been three days ago. So I have time to practice it and think about it and, and uh, you know, have lots of water. I was getting ready to hold up water on a radio show. Uh, have lots of water handy for when the dry mouth comes in. Take, take big, deep breaths. Script the first couple of questions so that if I lose my mind, which I know I will, all I have to do is read it. When my mind inevitably goes blank, there's no problem there because it's written right there in my notes and then just move through it until I get my confidence and then I'm comfortable and then just go from there. Knowing that that's going to happen every time allows me to prepare. That's my preparation ritual, that and many, many other things that I won't bore you with. That's how I handle that trigger. So yeah, yeah. Avoid it. If you can't avoid it, plan, 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 and then plan some more. Which is anticipating the future by doing that planning. But there you are. I want to go back. You're in a psych hospital. Yep. Years ago. Didn't plan for that. <laughs> didn't plan for that. Right. So that can you, can you walk us through there? Cause that sounds like a, a turning point, a pivotal moment. In the psychiatric hospital is when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I had only ever known one person, like literally in the history of the world, famous, living, dead, just one person with bipolar disorder. And that was Kurt Cobain, who was the lead singer of the alternative rock band Nirvana, another band that I, you know, young Gabe Howard absolutely adored and looked up to. And I knew that he had bipolar disorder and I knew that he died by suicide. So when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I thought I was dead. Mm. I mean, just again, Kurt Cobain, right? Rich, famous, once in a lifetime musical talent. Did I mention the part where he was famous? And he could not beat bipolar disorder. With all of that going for him, 
he couldn't beat the illness that I was just diagnosed with. Now, I'm, I'm not rich. I'm not famous. I'm not a once in a lifetime musical talent. I'm not anything. I'm some schlub from Ohio. So it, it stood to reason in, in my brain in the psychiatric hospital that if the rich famous guy couldn't beat bipolar disorder, uh, neither could the loser from Ohio. And that's honestly what I thought. And why wouldn't I think that? I only had one example. I had one example. Hey, you ever known anybody to beat bipolar disorder? Nope. Can you think of anybody living well with bipolar disorder? Nope. You have any examples of mental illness ever turning out well for people? I do not. Well, there you go. That's all you need to know, buddy. Your life is over. That, that, that seemed, I, I now know that that is not the case, but listen, that was a reasonable conclusion to draw with the information that I had where I was sitting at the time. And that's what I believe the day that I was diagnosed again, as you said, Dr. Joe sitting in a psych hospital. Yeah. It's a, it's a powerful moment. And I, I having made the diagnosis on many people, what I can assure you is no one is a diagnosis. No one, no one is a diagnosis. People are much more complicated than just a series of symptoms. We're much more complicated. And before we get back to the inpatient site, how do, how do they find you, Gabe? Not just a podcast. You have a website. People can get the yeah, book. Yeah, you can find everything about me over at GabeHoward.com. It's like one-stop shopping. G-A-B-E-H-O-W-A-R-D.com. The, the, the book is there. Some other swag that is decent. How to book me if you need a speaker. Of course, Inside Mental Health podcast links are over there. But uh, GabeHoward.com. I, I will try to say GabeHoward.com three more times to make sure that somebody is like, where's the pen? Where's the paper? It's my name, ladies and gentlemen. It's GabeHoward.com. Check it out. And yeah, buy the book. I'll sign it. I, I love it. it. It is a good book. It is sincerely a good book. Uh, I, I, would not, I would not be pushing it if it was terrible uh, because it would just make me look bad. <laughs> okay, so, so, so if they go to the website and buy the book through, the web, through your website, it's an autographed copy. Yep. Yep. I, I can sign it, personalize it, write whatever you want. I, I throw a bunch of swag in there. It's, it's, it's uh, really cool. You can also get it on amazon.com or wherever fine books are sold. Unfortunately, I can't sign those because they come straight from, you know, Amazon's warehouse and they won't let me in anymore. So I, I, we, we have a, a few minutes left before we get to the, the two questions. And I'm just curious, can we talk a little bit about, about the stigma that is still associated with bipolar, but with all psychiatric conditions. And was that part of your experience on your on the inpatient unit? Was there stigma even there? So stigma is a beast, right? It's, it's like, it's like, a, it's like a, a beast with many arms and many legs and many appendages, and it's got weapons. And here's why I say that. We tend to think about stigma as something that somebody did to you. And we don't like to talk about the stigma that we put on ourselves, and I, I want to fully admit and, and, and put as much out in the world as I can that as soon as I heard I had bipolar disorder, I, I thought every awful thing that you could think about somebody with bipolar disorder about myself. I, mm. I, I didn't have any hope. I didn't think I could get better. I, I, I thought that it was a miracle that I didn't murder my family because it, you know, it, violence and mental illness was in my brain so intrinsically linked. I, I believed all of that misinformation about myself. So I, I, was, I was beating myself up that I should do better, know better. It just, it, it's an ugly, ugly mess. And I did it to myself because I, I was raised in the same culture of misinformation 
about mental illness and mental health as, as everybody else in my family. So that's problem number one. Uh, and, and society, I don't know why I just blame my family, just society at large. And then there's number two, see, I have to move forward and get better. And I wanted to get better. I, I really did. But you got a couple of, again, we always want to talk about stigma, like the big bad person who is mean and hates you and is pushing you down while you're trying to climb up. And those people exist. Those situations absolutely exist. But I don't think they're the worst ones. I think the accidental stigma is, is much worse, where people believe that they're making the right decision, but it's hurtful. Like, hey, Gabe, you just got out of the psychiatric hospital. So I, I think maybe we're going to pause you coming to little Johnny's birthday party. And on one hand, that, that's so me. Like, I'm trying to get better. And you just told me that I can't see my niece, nephew, grandchild, whomever little Johnny is. He's clearly somebody that you love. And you are now being separated from little Johnny. And that's got to hurt. But you, if, if the parents have all this misinformation, it's hard to get mad at them if they honestly believe that they're doing the best thing for their child. Uh, but they're also perpetuating the stigma because little Johnny is like, hey, where's Uncle Gabe? Oh, he's bad. So why is he bad? Bipolar? Aha. And th th this just converges in all of these ugly ways. And you think, where did all this misinformation come from? Well, I'm going to tell you. People believe what they see whether it's good, bad, or, or, or not, is really irrelevant. And what they see is crisis. Crisis with mental illness is public. It is very public. If I go to the grocery store tomorrow and I have a psychiatric symptom, right? I, I, I think the soda machine is a dragon and I start screaming at it. I break down in the corner crying. I, I start throwing cans at, a, at an invisible monster that's trying to hurt the clerk. People are going to talk. They're going to be like, there was this crazy guy at the grocery store. Uh, there, 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 was a, there was this dude, the police came and arrested him. He was just ranting and raving about Elvis following around. And then they're going to, hey, what, what, what happened to that guy? Oh, he had bipolar disorder. Yeah, you know, those bipolars, right? That, that's, that's the scenario that's going to play out, and it plays out constantly all over America. But if I go to uh, the grocery store tomorrow, and I buy my groceries and go home, nobody says, hey, a dude with bipolar disorder came in here yesterday and bought groceries. Nobody says that. That, that. that never goes anywhere. Every single time I did something well, it's man does something well. Every single time I did something bad, it was man with bipolar disorder does something bad. So to the uninitiated, to the average person, to the person who's just walking around trying to live their lives that doesn't have a PhD, that isn't reading about this, all they hear about is people with mental illness who are in crisis, scaring people and causing problems. And then when somebody says, hey, do you know they can get better? They think, no, they can't. I have never once heard of somebody with bipolar disorder, living well. I've never once heard of somebody with serious and persistent mental illness living well. Of course not. Of course not. Because as soon as we get better, we shut our mouths. We hide. And you know why we hide? Come here. Lean in, everybody. We hide because we don't want to be discriminated against and stigmatized. But unfortunately, it allows all the misinformation to rise unchallenged to the top. And then it's just rinse and repeat after that. It's one of the reasons that I'm so vocal about living with bipolar disorder, because I just want to balance out 
the conversation so that somebody somewhere thinks, okay, there's at least one guy who is doing great things in spite of bipolar disorder. Yeah. So with that as an introduction to the two questions, because it's, it's, it's powerful. So the I am is basically saying we're all doing the best we can, that, that no one is broken, but we're influenced by four domains, our home domain, the social domain, the biological domain, and the IC domain. How do I see myself? How do I think other people see me? We've been talking a lot about all four of those. We've been talking about your home domain, the social domain, where this friend said, you're going to kill yourself. The IC domain of how you're seeing yourself, how you think other people see you, and the biological domain, which really is part of bipolar. Because the four domains interconnect, a small change can have a big effect. We don't need to change everything. So Gabe, what small change can you recommend to our listeners? So perhaps they have a a deeper appreciation understanding of bipolar. The, the smallest change that, that I believe that everybody can do is if you live with bipolar disorder, be honest to somebody. I, I'm not saying that you have to be gigantically you know, out on Facebook and make every post about it or, 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 or scream or wear shorts or shirts, or, but, but just be honest to the people around you. Make it a point to pull your mom, dad, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, best friend, social circle, gaming group, and just say, you know, I, I live with bipolar disorder. It, it, it's one small part of me, but I want you to know that the guy that you play cards with every Thursday or the, 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 the woman who is on your bowling league lives with bipolar disorder. That's why I'm sharing it. And there are some responsibilities that come from that. Be prepared to answer questions. Don't get angry if people freak out. Sometimes it happens. Be just, just be prepared. And if somebody's like, oh my God, I'm scared. Why? Why are you scared? How can I help you? How can I answer questions? And, and be there for those people. It, it, it's hard, but you, you asked how you can influence people. If people start to see the people that they know as people who aren't just the person they play cards with, but as the person that they bowl with, play cards with, who also lives with bipolar, it starts to fill in those gaps. And I do believe that we all can do it. Again, pick your moments. I'm not saying walk into work tomorrow and announce that you have bipolar disorder, that you know, coming out in the, in the workplace with bipolar disorder is, 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 is harder. But if you're on a bowling league, just, just tell them. Just tell them if you're in a card group, tell them. Just, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, if you make model cars. <laughs> a lot of us are in little clubs. Just share it. It's so important because then somebody may go, whoa. I had no idea. And that's exactly what we want. Exactly. We want them to say, whoa, you're kidding. That's it. So with that in mind, the second truth of the I am, everybody's interested in what you think or feel about them. You're part of someone's home or social domain. And through the I see domain, how you see other people, you know it feels different when you feel respected or disrespected. There's an effect on the biological domain, which means you control no one you influence everyone. You get to choose the kind of influence you want to be. Gabe Howard, what kind of influence do you want to be? I sincerely want to be a positive influence for change. I, I have said since I started this that I'm not looking to make fans. I'm looking to make critical thinkers. That, that, that's sort of my North Star for it. it I, I don't know. If I was a corporation, I I think it would be, you know, like on the wall when you first walk in. I like it when people disagree with me. I like it when people say that I missed the mark. I like it when people critically think about the things that I say, apply it to their own life and make the adjustments that they need. So that's, 
that's who I want to be. I want to be a, a positive information giver for change so that people feel empowered to move forward, make their own decisions so that they too can live their best life. Gabe, thank you so much for being here. Folks, GabeHoward.com. Go to the site, get the book, listen to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Folks, we'll see you next week on The Dr. Joe Show.